Welcome to Totally Biased Media, the podcast where three brothers who know nothing about video games tell you everything they know about video games. I'm Jordan, and why are you staring at me? You know I'm more than just a doll, right? I'm Jason, and boy are my arms tired. And Jackson couldn't be here today because he's afraid of Wario. If you were tired of hearing about Nintendo games after the last episode, well, I've got some bad news for you. This week, we're discussing what might possibly be the most targeted releases of all time, for Jason and I in particular. Super Mario RPG, a remake of a hit 1996 turn-based RPG, and WarioWare Move It, the follow-up to Wii's WarioWare Smooth Moves. It's a big week with a lot of games to talk about, so let's get into it. This is like the single episode where I have been most excited about the content of the episode in comparison to the average gamer. <laughs> like, I love every game that has stemmed off of the Mario RPG style. And like, I have been thrilled at the idea to like get to go back and play the original and then, like, WarioWare is just so close to my heart <laughs> and has been since, like, the Game Boy Advance days. I know that most people are not familiar with either of these even a little bit. Uh, and just the percentage of people that don't care is astronomically high on these games. <laughs> but we couldn't not do an episode. I, I don't particularly care all that much about the Paper Mario games or the Mario RPGs or... I guess I like the Mario and Luigi subseries, but that's a little bit different. I'm a big Smooth Moves fan. <laughs> if Smooth Moves has one fan, I'm it. That's it. That's the whole line. <laughs> yeah, that's all I'm doing. I if Smooth yeah. Moves has zero fans, I am dead. Please attend my <laughs> funeral. I would love to go back and play Smooth Moves just to see, but I also feel like getting a Wii working on a modern television and getting a copy of the game and multiple working remotes would just be so much hassle. So I guess we do have a Wii U, so we could just track down the game, but even that feels uh, very difficult. <laughs> I, I'm i 99% sure I've never actually played. I think I played like a pirated copy that my dad had gotten for me. <laughs> Good stuff. <laughs> I'm a real yeah. Nintendo fan. <laughs> I couldn't afford to buy their games when they were coming out. <sighs> Truly the mark of Nintendo's uh, place in the video game world, <laughs> pushing piracy in a whole new way. <laughs> but I think we're going to start off talking about Super Mario RPG. So the name is pretty on the nose with this one. <laughs> um, this is a remake of a, a game from the Super Nintendo released in 1996. The full title was originally Super Mario RPG Legend of the Seven Stars. Um, they have cut the Legend of the Seven Stars from the title of this game. However, that's still very much what this game is. Um, it's pretty quintessential RPG stuff. Uh, big bad guy swoops in, uh, destroys Bowser's castle, or not destroys it, but separates Bowser and Mario from Bowser's castle. And to defeat this big bad guy, Mario and a crew of new friends and Bowser and Peach have to go out and get these seven stars that will give them the power they need to fight this big bad guy. It doesn't get more Final Fantasy old school RPG than that. That's really about all you need to know. Because it is very much like old school RPG, but story-wise, it is not very Mario at all. No. No, this game is a very, very weird cross-section of 
you know, squares, big, uh, expansive RPGs from the time, and Mario, where it's almost like they wanted to make a Venn diagram, but they don't actually connect that often. <laughs> like, there is a very, very small sliver of the actual overlap between both of these games. It is m- more often than not just one or just the other. Yeah, I feel like the pitch should have been, what if there was an RPG starring Mario? And instead, what they made was, what if there was an RPG and the main character was replaced with Mario? <laughs> yeah, that's very much what this feels like. Not to say it's a terrible thing overall, because I think that there are some, like, you know, there's some Mario charm here. But they definitely could have replaced Mario with a nameless, faceless, generic RPG protagonist. And a lot of the game still would have held up. <laughs> so The jokes would have been weirder. That's that's true. In the name of humor, they gave Mario this weird power to kind of like mimic other characters so perfectly that he even looks like those characters. And that doesn't make any sense for Mario <laughs> for me. It's just like, I guess he can't talk, so he has to be really good at charades. <laughs> yeah, I was thinking about it. And Camelot kind of did the same thing, didn't they? With their... Mario sports games. Oh, yeah. Yeah, because in those, Mario would be, like, all over the place and waving his hands eccentrically and, like... But everybody knew what he was communicating. (laughs) Even though he never talked, he just flailed around and made wild sounds. (laughs) Otherwise, this is, you know, very much an RPG, like an old-school RPG. You have these isometric maps where there are enemies all over the place. If you run into one, you cut to this turn-based battle. This game is very linear, Um, generally speaking, every map is just get from point A to point B. Then you go back to an overworld where you can select the next map. I will say sort of an important thing to know about this game going in. And I would say probably the, a a real double-edged sword of this game is this is a very faithful remake, like one of the most faithful remakes I have ever played. And that's really cool because it means that you're seeing a very authentic experience to what this game originally was. That's also a game's big downside because a lot of this stuff has not aged super well (laughs) yeah if you really liked super mario rpg on the super nintendo then you're gonna love this if you got into rpgs after 2005 probably uh gonna feel pretty dated to you yeah it's there's not a whole lot to really push it along in my opinion except for this like active turn-based system um, what I mean by that is, yes, it is a turn-based system where you have like a list of commands you can choose and you click a command then you click on an enemy and then they go and do the attack. However, there's sort of an element added on top of that where, you know, it's not just you click attack and pick your target, your character will run over to do the attack and if you time the buttons right, you'll do additional damage. Now that's a system that was in the original game and that's a system that I really, really love. Like, this idea of taking turn-based combat and adding this actual skill element on top of it has created some of my favorite games of all time. I mean, I love the Paper Mario games. The second one might be my might be my single favorite game of all time. The whole Mario and Luigi series is excellent. We've gotten a lot of great games inspired by this, like Sea of Stars earlier this year. Like, I love that system, and I love what it created. This is a very bare-bones version of that system, though. It is literally just, if you press the button well or at the right time, you do a little bit of extra damage, and if you time it, like, spot on, you do a lot of extra damage, and it chains the damage to the nearby enemies. 
Um, that's really all there is to it, though. It's not like with Paper Mario, where there's like a whole bunch of different things you have to do. Like for this attack, you have to hold the joystick this direction for the right amount of time. And this one, you have to mash the button while moving this. And this one, you have to line up this with this. Like this one's really just like all basic attacks are you go up and press A at the right time. <laughs> it's not terrible. I do like that as you get like stronger weapons and stuff like that, as you get further f- through the story, the uh, the timings change up at least a little bit. Yeah, that's actually one of my favorite parts about this system. So it's not like most games where if you replace a weapon, it's just some stat boost and it looks a little different. Mario has like three different weapon types and they actually have distinct timings and different ways they interact with the enemy. So, like, his basic attack is just a punch. Like, you literally have to go up and press A right as his fist is making contact. But he also has a hammer, which has a different swing speed, meaning your timing's going to be a little bit different. And he has a he has this a weapon type, which is basically he stands back and kicks a shell at the enemy. And the timing for that one is not based on when it hits. It's based on when Mario does the kick. So, like, all those function a little bit differently. And every character has at least two weapon types. I think they might all have three. But I don't know that I used all three different ones for all five of the characters. Yeah, um, I I don't know for sure about Gino or Peach. I, I definitely know that Bowser, Mello, or no, Mallow, and Mario <laughs> yeah. have three weapon types each. You know, it is kind of weird. I, I pointed out that as you get further into the game, the, the timings get a little bit stricter and definitely a little bit weirder and kind of harder to tell when you need to press the button. Yeah. Uh, that is actually kind of undone now that I think about it at the very end when like Mario's uh, the weapon that Mario gets in the last level is the glove again. So then you yeah. just go back to the punch <laughs> timing from the beginning of the game, which is kind right. of a weird decision. And everyone else has I think everyone else's are optional, but like you can get, you know, uh, Mallow's original weapon. You can get Dino's original weapon. Just kind of a weird choice. <laughs> As you level up every several levels for each character, you'll get a new ability. And that's an ability that will consume mana from like a shared pool across all of your characters. I think that that adds an interesting layer to the game that I definitely wasn't engaging with enough at first. Mm -hmm. Uh, Partially because the game is super easy and you don't need to at first. But, you know, every character will have three or four special abilities. And those abilities are sometimes really straightforward. It's like this is a fire attack or this is a lightning attack. But then there's also status effects like fear and poison and like ones that affect attack and defense and all that stuff. The way that you have to share MP between those characters for using those moves is really interesting. And I think that it kind of forces you to use different team combinations because Mm -hmm. like Mario and Bowser are strong like physical attackers. Mallow and Peach who have some magic and some healing capabilities and my understanding is Gino is just kind of an all-arounder, but like they all have different roles and it's really good to switch it up on the fly, like to use different abilities for different characters. Um, and you can also switch characters in the same turn. So a lot of the time, you know, a lot of battles will only be a couple of turns, but it would also be pretty common that I would have a different team on the on the battlefield at the you know beginning and end of a battle, even mm-hmm. if it was a really short one. Well, even if you just know ahead of time that it's going to be a really hard fight, the turn order is determined by your starting party, or at least it is for that first turn. So, you know, if you wanted to 
have Gino in and then switch him out for Mallow, who can use like magic attacks to deal a lot of damage to several enemies or, you know, a lot of damage to a single enemy. <laughs> there are some interesting strategies that you can kind of pull off with that. Now, one of my biggest grievances with this game, especially in the beginning, is just the fact that this game is incredibly easy. Mm-hmm. I mean, most battles you'll encounter an enemy out in the open world or like the on, on the map and like you'll cut to this turn-based thing most of the time you can knock them out in like one or two turns then you're just right back (laughs) so there's like a very quick stop and start like because like most maps will have several enemies on them and you don't have to fight all of them by any means i mean by like chapter two i was downing absolutely every enemy in one hit (laughs) except for like bosses and and special enemies that'll just spawn and they have more health and deal more damage but i would say the the biggest gripe I have with this game is just the fact that there are a lot of cool systems at play, but the game is never really challenging enough. You have to engage with those things. Mm-hmm. And I, I wish that they did a little bit more to kind of force your hand and make you, you know, change up your team more and use more special moves and focus more on like status effects and special abilities. Now, I have heard this game has a lot of good like post-game battles that do kind of push the limits a little bit more. And I just finished the game today, so I haven't done any of that stuff yet. Uh, so I guess I could, I guess my opinion on that could change, but it is still a bummer to hold all of that content until the post game. It's kind of weird just how the balancing is in general in this game, because I mean, like you said, it feels like every normal enemy you take out in one or two hits, you know, by the second chapter, but then you'll get into these boss fights and I don't know, maybe, maybe I'm just not good at the game, but I was having issues during boss fights where I was like, using needing to like revive two or three of my teammates throughout the fight Mm. and you know those fights could go on for upwards of like you know 10 to 15 turns yeah it's just kind of weird like how that contrasts to the normal battles that you're doing like 99 percent of the time as well as the fact that a lot of the bosses will have like special mechanics to go along with them yeah there's one boss i really like fairly early on where he will disable certain buttons on your controller so you can't use items or you can't use magic attacks or even, you know, sometimes he makes it to where you can't attack. I think that's a pretty cool twist. And I would have liked to have seen it appear more than, you know, once during his boss fight. And then near the end of the game, you can run into like a clone of that boss basically. Yeah. um, As a normal enemy. But those enemies are also completely optional. I think I only fought one because I wasn't sure what would happen if I ran into it. It would have been really cool to see bosses start using the ability from prior bosses in -hmm. their fights. So, like, the boss fights get progressively harder, not only in difficulty, which I think is, like I said, kind of balanced weird, but also in the addition of the special mechanics that you have to keep up with. I mean, I just just think there's a lot in this game that's really cool, and then it's just used once, and... You don't really see it again. <laughs> Say like my experience with this game were pretty positive overall because I did find the combat engaging enough to keep me pushing forward. And, you know, I, I thought that generally speaking, it was it was pretty rewarding. I, I think it had a lot of the hooks that make a good turn based RPG. I just think that it, a lot of this game is just not up to modern standards. The The map design is another piece that I think just doesn't hold up super well. Um, the maps are really small and very repetitive and more often than not, you're basically just, you're going in the one entrance and you're going out the one exit and that's like all there is to it. 
I wish that in the remake they had kind of gone through and made it to where maybe multiple of those map segments loaded at once. Yeah. And they were, you know, connected on the edges instead. I don't know exactly how that would have worked out, like if they even line up properly for something like that, but <laughs> sure. I don't know. It would have been interesting to see because like when the game came out on the Super Nintendo, it made sense why, you know, a map could only be so big and have so many enemies on it, but in a game coming out in 2023, it's a little bare bones seeming. Yeah. Yeah. I also think this game just doesn't look the best sometimes. Not from like a performance standard, but like an art direction standard. Um, I I think they should have either... I think they should have done one of two things. Either scaled everything to be more like traditional Mario models. So Mario was like his normal height, not this shrunk down version of the character that they have in this game. Or they should have kept this game as like a pixel art kind of thing, but just Mm -hmm. made it more vibrant and more detailed and, you know, weren't dealing with a Super Nintendo uh, (laughs) level of restrictions. Because I think this game is in kind of a weird middle ground where they wanted to make the old game 3D and that was it. And Mm -hmm. I don't think it has the charm of the original game and I don't think it looks good enough detached from the original game to be like its own thing it's kind of the same problem that the pokemon diamond and pearl remakes had in my opinion where Mm -hmm. it's like yes this is a very faithful remake in terms of it looks like those graphics brought into 3d but those graphics don't work as 3d (laughs) so i like the mario design a lot personally i think he looks really cute which is kind of a weird thing to say about uh (laughs) Mario, you know, he's like a 40-year-old plumber. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. I, I think that the game, the art design, like the direction that they went, and this is more a compliment for Square back in the, the 90s than it is for mm. the new people, uh, Arte Piazza. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But like, they made him look really cute, especially in the uh, the animations whenever you get one of the star pieces. I don't oh, know. Yeah. He's like a baby. <laughs> yeah, he's so excited and he's like overwhelmed in a way. It's it's very funny. I do like it a lot. Like I think that there are really good moments in this game visually. Mm-hmm. I just don't know that the overall visual style is I don't think it looks good enough on its own and I don't think it's a particularly good, you know, retelling of the the style and the tone of Super Mario RPG. I don't necessarily feel like they nailed the right look for a lot of the transitions between the old pixel art and the 3d models um like there's a pirate captain you run in i guess around the two-thirds point and he just he just looks weird (laughs) like yeah i can't look at that design and be like yeah that's definitely what they were going for (laughs) it's it's like there's some stuff missing some of the bosses in my opinion just don't really work as 3d models (laughs) so they're just I I don't really know what they were going for with some of these. Another thing I thought was really funny in this game, they they made sort of their own versions of a lot of existing Mario enemies. So mm-hmm. like you're going to fight Goombas and Koopas and Shy Guys, but their versions have these really weird names. <laughs> um so you know, there's a red Shy Guy who's just called a Shy Guy, but a uh blue Shy Guy is called a Spookum. <laughs> Not sure what that's about. I, I like the uh, the Donkey Kong analog a lot. 
where occasionally you'll just run into a gorilla in shackles and it's called gorilla like gorilla warfare <laughs> it's not something i actively dislike i just think it's funny that they they went the direction they did i mean you gotta have some way to differentiate between it seems like sometimes they just really wanted to make sure they used mario enemies as often as possible when you know probably a new designed character would have been more interesting and would have had a less weird name <laughs> uh, here's another one for example uh it's not koopas and paracoopas it's koopas and malakoopas i don't know what that's about um and the large koopas are called tubba troopas <laughs> It's just a funny little detail. I think a lot about this game is just very strange in a way that I think is actually pretty charming. And I actually like what they I don't know why they landed on a lot of the decisions they did. It definitely feels like the decision to make this a Mario game was not only like a conceit of some kind, but it also came a little too late in the development process. Like this was a game that was already like 30% of the way done before they decided <laughs> that it was a Mario game. They they had uh, already written the scenario, and then someone was like, hey, we're making this a Mario game. And they were like, well, I'm not rewriting it. I don't know. I mean, I guess my thing here is just that a lot of the iconic Mario characters have been, were, were introduced after Mario RPG. It's weird how little, like, new stuff from Super Mario RPG has continued over into the other games. There's a lot of times when you interact with characters in the story, and there'll be original characters to Super Mario RPG but then they've just never appeared again. Right. I mean, most notably, two of the party members, Mallow and Gino, haven't been in anything else since Super Mario RPG. But like, the closest we've gotten to them being brought back in anything in any capacity is Gino is a costume in Super Smash Brothers. I don't know. It just feels like there should be more iconic Mario characters that help you out. So a pretty glaring omission here. Uh, no Luigi in any capacity. What's weird is they <laughs> mention him. Right. Like, several right. times. It's not even... Like, with the Paper Mario games, Luigi's around, and, like, you can talk to him. He's not, like, one of your party members or anything, but, like, he's there. In this game, there is just, like, they, they say his name, or not even say his name, they just, like, allude to Mario's brother a couple of times, but he is not physically present in the game in any capacity. Very strange. A lot of weird decisions with this one. You gotta give it a pass, though. This was before the Luigi Renaissance. This is before that weird window where he was more popular than Mario for a minute. I mean, I think Luigi's Mansion is probably one of the most influential games on, like, Mario's identity. <laughs> yeah. Of just, like, making the side characters more important. Because I feel like side characters in Mario games never really mattered until Luigi's Mansion. But now you've seen Professor Egad in, like, the sports games. <laughs> and, like, Luigi is... Always in every game that's come out since then. This was clearly a different time for a different character. <laughs> you know, there is uh there is a story to this game that you know maybe we should talk about a little bit because I think it's probably my favorite part. Yeah, I think that this game has some absolutely deranged dialogue in a very fun way. And I think that even though the core concept is very simple, it's literally just travel across the map and get these seven stars. It's a real roller coaster in the process, and you meet some absolutely deranged characters along the way. Frog Sage, I can't remember what his name is. And yeah. I keep calling him Frog Sage, and then I think of Jiraiya from Naruto. Yeah. And I'm like, this feels wrong for some reason. And then there's like Booster. I like Booster a lot. I don't know what it is about Booster. He's yeah. the guy that had his own castle. 
I don't know what's going on with him. Booster's just like a really high energy but socially inept dude that just is chilling and then Peach happens to land on his castle and he's like, well, I'm going to marry this woman now and everything goes crazy from there. <laughs> he's not like an antagonist or anything. He's just like there. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I want to make it clear, at least my read of the character, I didn't really think the Peach stuff was creepy because I think he was portrayed more like a child. Yeah. You know? Like, he was genuinely ignorant of, like, all social standards and had no idea how one is supposed to behave. But he's funny. And I like his uh, his army of, is it Shy Guys? I can't remember off the top of my head. Yeah. And, like, there's a lot of, pretty much every village has at least a handful of just, like, really eccentric characters. And... You know, you go to some pretty cool locations. Like you mentioned the the pirate area, which is like a, a sunken ship, which is really cool. Um, and there's like a volcano pretty late in the game that has some some interesting enemies and level designs and, you know, a, a kind of a cool aesthetic. I like the uh the cloud village a lot. I yeah. think it's really neat. I think it was probably my favorite place to explore. I really liked Booster's I don't know what other call whether to call it a castle or what. Yeah. But I, I liked the uh like the traps that were all around the map and the way that the enemies were placed. I, I just thought it was a really cool area. And it was a lot more distinct, you know, some of the other areas could be. Yeah, like, like most of the generic like jungle or like the desert and like those yeah. maps, it feels like you're just going through the same space over and over and over again, just like slightly remixed to, you know, make it clear you're not in the same space. Yeah, but, and it's not necessarily that you see like there's not like multiple jungle areas on the world map it's just when you're in that jungle area one it doesn't feel very mario-ified it's just a jungle and then when you're going through it there's nothing to like really differentiate between the different i guess map tiles i don't know necessarily what to call the different rooms (laughs) i think that that's sort of where this game starts to fall apart sometimes you go through the same map square several times in some of these locations and I just don't know that it's, I don't know that it always is a very good job of keeping you motivated to keep going. Now, if you're skipping all the fights, you can breeze through these in no time. But I felt obligated to do it, to fight at least most of the enemies I encountered. I didn't do all of them by any means, and I was definitely doing a smaller percentage by the end of the game. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, it, it definitely can get tedious if you're trying to like actually fight every enemy in a room just to go into an, a room that's almost identical with all the same enemies right afterwards. So what was your favorite part of the game, though? I definitely liked the 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 sunken ship. I think it was visually really cool, and I think it had a lot of interesting enemy types, and it had sort of a unique puzzle system for figuring out how to get through it. Um, I don't think it did a whole lot of cool stuff like that in other areas as much as it should have, but I thought that part was a lot of fun. I really liked the running joke where uh, people would ask Mario to prove that he's Mario, and he would just jump, and everyone was like, that's him. We found him. It's like, that's the one thing only he can do. It's also kind of funny because when you run into Mallow, part of the reason he follows you is because uh, he can't jump up to get to a higher ledge, but Mario can where does where does the party go? <laughs> <laughs> They're in Mario's pocket. Um, the recurring bit of jumping being a way he can prove it's really him is also in the the Mario and Luigi series. That's even like Toads that should be intimately familiar with Mario will be like, if you're the real Mario, show me how you jump really high. <laughs> I especially like when you have to prove who you are to a kid who's playing with a Mario doll. It's like yeah. I don't know, just look at him. Yeah. 
Nobody else dresses like this in the whole world. Nobody else has these proportions in the whole world. <laughs> it's tough to talk about this game because I did enjoy it, but I, I don't know that I would recommend it to many people. Partially because I don't think it's aged very well, but also because I think that the games that sort of stemmed from the Mario RPG style are a lot better. Partially because they're newer, but partially because they just had better ideas. Like, yeah. I think that Paper Mario and Mario and Luigi are vastly superior games to this one. And those are both games you can play on Switch if you have a Switch subscription service. So I would say if you're really, really, you know, craving a Mario RPG, maybe one of those two instead. And I would say, like, if you got this game on sale for like 30 or 40 bucks, it'd be a, a pretty good deal. But this is a Nintendo game. So like right now is the cheapest it's ever going to be. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think that overall Super Mario RPG is like, it, it's good. But like you said, I mean, I haven't played all the Paper Mario games or all the Mario and Luigi games. But the ones that I have played are both funnier and the combat is better. <laughs> combat's a lot better like way more variety it's way more difficult it makes you actually use all the abilities at your disposal that's yeah. that's true for both paper mario and mario and luigi yeah and that's something i guess we didn't really mention during the combat it doesn't really feel like most of the abilities actually need to be used and that's yeah. something i think that both paper mario and mario and luigi really pull off is having times where it's like okay well only this attack is going to work on this enemy which I know that can be like annoying sometimes, like in the heat of the moment, but it also kind of forces you to expand your kit as you're playing instead of just using the most powerful stuff or whatever is already working. Right. But like in this game, there's no real reason to use Fireball once you've unlocked Ultra Fireball. Right. It hits more enemies and it deals more damage. <laughs> yeah. And I think that another thing that kind of hurts this game a little bit is the fact that all the abilities and extra content are unlocked exclusively through leveling up. Whereas in Mario and Luigi and Paper Mario, a lot of the new stuff is story gated or at the very least there's, you know, multiple facets to how you get those abilities meaning that they're introduced at a point when they're more pivotal and you have more of a reason to use them. Whereas in this game, if you're just over-leveling, you're just going to get your abilities early and they're just going to be super powerful. <laughs> and I would say I was definitely over-leveling at first. Like the first probably five stars, I was fighting like every enemy I encountered. Mm -hmm. um, and I was using like XP boost and stuff as I got them. And I definitely ended the game stronger than I felt like I needed to be and that's with me skipping like half the fights in the last couple of chapters. Yeah, I mean, at a certain point, you've just kind of you, you just kind of realize you're powerful enough that it's not really going to matter. And then you're yeah. right. Yeah, like you get you just... to a point where you're going to one shot all the enemies in the area you're in and then you move on. And then eventually you kind of realize that that's not worth the effort and you're happy just two shotting everyone. <laughs> right. Especially considering a lot of fights, you're only fighting three or four enemies and you do have the whole... Like, your attacks can do splash damage thing. Um, so, I guess I should sort of explain. I didn't play the original game, but I have read a lot about, like, how this game compares and what's different and what's the same. And so, part of the reason that this game is so easy is because most of the enemies in the game have the same stats they did in the original game. And your characters, like, at surface level, do the same amount of damage and have the same abilities that cost the same amount of MP and all that. Like, all that stuff is the same. 
However, there's this new system that's tacked on top of the game where it adds two things. One, it adds a special, like, if you time the attacks really well, then it deals even more damage and it does splash damage. That wasn't present in the original game at all. And there is this system where if you land consecutive timed attacks and blocks and you know you use your abilities properly it fills up a meter and when you fill that meter up you can do a special attack that deals a ton of damage or heals your whole party or, or whatever it can do all sorts of stuff and that meter fills up pretty quickly that meter also wasn't in the original game there weren't these big team attacks or anything so basically you have this one system that lets you do way more damage on every turn if you're skilled enough and another system that lets you just periodically do super powerful attacks that weren't factored into, you know, enemy health and scaling and levels and all that stuff. So when you add that, fa- when you add that fact on top of the on top of the original game not being super hard to begin with, <laughs> this game is just a breeze. I mean, I think that those are good additions, but I wish they had made the enemies tougher to sort of compensate. compensate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, I think it's a good game. I just think it is very much rooted in what a good game in 1996 was. And that is almost 30 years ago. It's one of those things where there was no version of this game that was going to be a faithful remake and really good by modern standards. But I will say I I still enjoyed it. It was really cool to sort of see the history of a genre and two game series that I really love. And, you know, it was especially cool to play this on the heels of Sea of Stars, which I think is probably my favorite game of the year and probably the best game of this style ever made. Cool to see, like, where all of that inspiration came from and where it started, which maybe I'm completely wrong. Maybe there are other games that did this first. I just haven't played them and they haven't had as much reach as Mario RPG did, but it felt very new to this game. So. Sorry, I looked up an article, uh, six games to play if you like Mario RPG, and it actually says that South Park The Stick of Truth is better than Sea of Stars, so oh, sorry. Man. Have you considered the other game that it says it, it lists at, above Sea of Stars, uh, Sonic Chronicles The Dark Brotherhood? <laughs> <laughs> I have played that game. Um, it's something. <laughs> That's the one where Sonic is Sonic and then everyone else is someone from King Arthur stuff right no that's sonic and the black knight um sonic the dark brotherhood is just like a i mean it's it's sonic's equivalent of mario rpg it's just they took the characters and threw them into a turn-based rpg instead but it also has like the weird timing mechanics and stuff like that so now that i'm thinking about it more i do remember this one isn't it made by bioware (laughs) it is which is a very strange jump (laughs) not sure how they ended up on a project like that what a roller coaster of a year. Yep. Fresh off the heels of Mass Effect, they made Sonic Chronicles the Dark Brotherhood. Well, I think it's time that we uh, moved on over to WarioWare Move It. I feel like if I had really thought about that, I could have come up with something much better. <laughs> it's it's time to freaking move it to WarioWare. That's all you're getting. WarioWare Move It. Uh, this is the, like, what, seventh or eighth WarioWare game or mainline game. I guess there have been spinoffs and other weird things along the way. But uh, basically, these are a collection of mini games that are so small they've been downgraded to micro games. <laughs> Every WarioWare game has some kind of gimmick or special mechanic or unique trait about it that 
makes it stand out. You know, there was there was the original, which was just all these fast-paced micro games that last a couple of seconds, and there was Twisted, which added sort of a motion component, and there was WarioWare Touched, which added the the touchscreen of the DS, and Smooth Moves, which is this the most similar to this game, which added motion controls and everything has had some kind of gimmick or new mechanic or new idea. Um, this is probably the least original because it is very similar to Move It or uh, Smooth Moves, but I'm okay with. Well, this is straight up a sequel to Smooth Moves. In Japan, it's literally called Super Smooth Moves. Oh, interesting. I did not know yeah. that. So. Yeah, it's the closest thing to a sequel this franchise has. Yeah. So, so story-wise, there's not a lot to go on with these games. It's just Wario and his friends find themselves in some sort of uh, high-energy scenarios, and you have to play a bunch of micro games to get them out of it. I don't think the micro games are even happening in fiction. I think it's literally just they're doing a thing, and if you do micro games bad, then an unrelated event happens to them. <laughs> I do want to get one thing out of the way while we're here, though. The story in this one is really weak even by standards of a warioware game i mean the story has always just been to set up the micro games this yeah. time around it feels like they didn't even really put the energy in it feels like this game was going to just be like a collection of min of micro games or something and then they decided at the last minute well we gotta have a story with it the story is basically just uh wario wins a contest which is like a free trip to an island and he and all of his WarioWare friends go to the island and just kind of hang out and all of them run into some bad fortune unrelated to all the others. Yeah. And you just have to play a level around that character. I, I like the intro to the game because it's Wario wins a, like a dream vacation to this extravagant luxury island i think he had entered a contest or something to win it but then when he gets the reward it says that you have to bring 20 guests i like a mandatory number of guests to bring yeah also an insanely high number i don't yeah, even know if i have 20 people close enough that i would want to take <laughs> on something like that so he brings basically everybody that you've seen in previous WarioWare games mona jimmy t and the the volts nine volt and 18 volt um, notably not war uh waluigi yeah yeah waluigi is not part of this universe <laughs> uh, further cementing the idea that wario and waluigi are not friends <laughs> right they just play sports together sometimes because <laughs> they needed an even number for game night <laughs> he could invite um, 20 people and he picked an alien that i'm pretty sure was the villain in the game he was introduced over yeah. waluigi <laughs> Yeah. So basically the way it actually works like mechanically is each level is themed after a different character. That character falls into some kind of um, accident or some precarious situation they have to get out of. And you have to play 15 to 20 micro games to get them out of that situation. This time around, every micro game has a pose assigned to it, which is sort of how it worked in in smooth moves as well i guess it's exactly how it worked in smooth moves but yeah. they go a little too heavy on the, the poses this time around in my opinion so basically the game will tell you get into this pose and then it'll give you some kind of basic command like like one i did earlier eat two and you have to figure out what that command means and how it fits in the mini game and what the timing for it is all in like a very brief window most of the games are pretty forgiving and have like a pretty big window of success however you're having to get into the pose and figure out what you're supposed to do and figure out, you know, when to do it all in like 
such a frantic amount of time that it really keeps you on your toes. It's a system I really, really love. Like this idea of just throwing game after game after game and you have to figure out the rules and when to do everything like on the fly. I really like that. I think that the only reason this game isn't like on par with the best of WarioWare is the fact that this game, everything's just a little bit slower. It takes a little bit too long for it to teach you the poses and there's just a little bit too big of a window to get into each pose before the minigame starts. So there's a lot of downtime in this game between minigames, whereas I think a lot of the appeal for the earlier games, specifically the original and WarioWare Touched, was the fact that they are throwing these things at you lightning speed. Mm. And this game can't really do that because it has to be like, okay, now get into this pose. Okay, now let's play the game. Smooth moves kind of have the same issue on the Wii. I do think it's more noticeable with this game because the poses are a lot easier and faster to get into generally. The poses in WarioWare smooth moves would require you to like pose and have the the Wii remote like set a certain way or like at a certain angle and stuff like that or you know making sure that the area around you is big enough because I think the poses in Smooth moves were a little bit more dynamic, some of them, than they are in this game. But in this game, like, the the Joy-Cons are always attached to your hands, and you almost always hold them the exact same way in every pose. It just kind of matters, like, how your hands or your wrists are turned, more so yeah. than anything. Right. So it, it definitely feels like it's just a little bit too long to get into every pose, longer than you need. But then there are also mini games, and th- there are a couple of poses that I think take longer to get into, especially the ones that are, like, more taxing like there's one where you have to squat and i'm I'm pretty out of shape (laughs) there's one where you have to put the remotes down on a flat surface Um, yeah that was really annoying i was playing right behind my couch so i was able to just set them there on the back of my couch but that definitely is something i could only do because of the way my couch is shaped too i had to put them on my coffee table my coffee table is really low so i was like for that part i was like sitting on my knees with them on the on the coffee table but then like the other poses for that particular level required standing so i'd have to go from having the i would have to go from having to have the joy con sitting on the table to standing up and then to squatting or something like that afterwards like i think making you get into these poses like really quickly is actually kind of a fun mechanic i know it's something that a lot of people couldn't necessarily do but i think it just it gives you a little too much time for all of them to the point where it doesn't feel like getting into the pose as part of the game it's like stop do the thing okay you're done now let's start again like <laughs> yeah so. and it's one of those things that gets fixed when you're doing like uh the high score mode where you're just trying to do as many micro games as possible right just because it speeds up over time and it gives you less time to get into the poses but the baseline's just a little bit too much yeah the, the story mode the levels are too short and they start too slow in my opinion like each time yeah. you only do i think like the most it ever goes to on like a story level is like maybe 20 i think on the last one i don't remember for sure and like the first like 15 just feel painfully slow sometimes yeah um, especially because a lot of them will be introducing two or three new poses to you and one yeah. those like introductory mini games where you figure out a new pose you get a point for them and it's preceded by a way too long video yeah like it might only be a minute but it feels like forever because it's just here's the pose here's the explanation of the pose here's a fun little quip about the pose okay back to the game 
when like it should have been like stand like this okay now do the mini game yeah and, and those you know taking a minute doesn't sound very long but once you get further into the game over the course of a minute you'll do like five micro games right so like a game that's all about pace is just started with this very slow and very tedious explanation in every level and and some of the poses are really obvious i don't think it should have gone all in on the poses at all i think it should have just been like before each mini game there's like a you see like a silhouette of a person that's like stand like this okay now do it like i don't think it should have been so focused on like this mini game uses this pose this one uses this pose. It should have just been like mimic this picture and then the game starts. I also kind of have an issue with poses don't return often enough. Like once you learn a pose, it will not appear again until you get to a remix level, which the remix levels basically just take micro games from the previous levels and the poses that go with them and kind of throws them all together. You get there's a pose that you literally learn in the first level. It's called Choo Choo and that pose only pops up in three or four different levels throughout the entire game. And then, and that's like the default pose. So like, yeah. that's one that's used more than some of the other ones. Maybe I'm misremembering, but I feel like Smooth Moves did a better job incorporating like all of the poses that you had learned up to that point in every minigame. And maybe if I went back to Smooth Moves, I'd find out that it has the exact same issue, but nostalgia blinds me. And see, maybe I'm just completely misremembering, but I could have sworn that Smooth Moves other than the remixes, like each level just had one pose and you would just do a bunch of mini games in that one pose. Well, I think that's how the first few levels were. But then I think as you got further, you started using like all the poses you'd already learned up to that point. And then there were like levels where you'd learn one pose, but then you'd also use previous ones. I, I knew just the fact that I was misremembering was a very real possibility because I have not played that game since it was pretty new. Um, I did play it a lot when it was new, though. I but. might also be misremembering, and if I am, this is how the next WarioWare game that uses motion control should be. Make it to where the different poses you learn get used in every minigame going forwards, or at least has a or micro game, but at least give them a chance of popping up. Right. It, it's just weird. It kind of ruins the point of having some of the poses, because there will be other poses that are like, somewhat similar but only slightly different and some of the poses i think just aren't as fun as other ones too so like i wouldn't mind if some only made an appearance but i think some of the simple ones like archer or the sword fighter one like those should be used pretty frequently in my opinion i think archer had some of my favorite mini games it had a really cool pool one like billiards yeah that i think like was well like was made well enough that it almost could have been like a full game <laughs> i didn't do a lot of the post game in this like i i finished the story and i've gone back to a few levels and played but i haven't done I, there's like a whole i think four additional levels you unlock after you finish it where the first one is all based on like challenging poses and then really fast mini games and you know they they get harder as they go i didn't really mess with too much of that yeah i haven't done any of that stuff yet although in my experience with like WarioWare Touch and the original WarioWare, the post game, like the endless modes and the high score modes and all that were definitely some of the most fun of the game. So I'm interested mm -hmm. to see how that stuff is. I don't know that this game would be as good for like WarioWare Touch had a mode where you could like play the same mini game over and over again. And you had to see how many times you could get through it with it getting progressively faster and more challenging. Yeah. Um, I don't know that this game would necessarily 
benefit as much from that kind of thing because I think something we haven't discussed yet that really holds this game back is the the motion controls and the Joy-Cons are not great. They are very inconsistent, and I personally have a lot of connection issues with Joy-Cons on the Switch. Like, if there is literally anything between the Joy-Con and the Switch console, there are going to be moments where I just lose connection for, like, a quarter of a second, and that throws a lot of stuff off. I didn't run into any issues with it, like, losing connection, but I definitely ran into issues where... I think the Joy-Con would get out of sync somehow. Um, mm. Like it wouldn't recognize my motions properly. It would think it was like already in a different orientation. Right. So I'd be holding it like upright and it would think it was like on its side or something. And I think yeah. that's part of the reason why the poses give you so long to get into them every time is to make sure that they're calibrated at the beginning of the mini game. But mm. sometimes even that kind of falls out of sync somehow. Yeah. It happened I, to me during one of the boss battles, or like, I, I don't know what, exactly what to call them. The boss mini game, micro game. <laughs> like, but it was really annoying because I was, I'd been doing well in that level, but I ended up having to use the, uh, there's like a second try feature that gives you all of your lives back if you hold a pose for a certain amount of time. I ended up having to use that and then like another two lives because the, the Joy-Con in my left hand just was not doing the right thing and I couldn't figure out why. I ended up just turning my Switch off and then I had to restart and do the whole level again. There were a couple of times where I definitely felt like I lost when I should not have, <laughs> which I think was something that's been common in this series like i don't think this is the first game it's had that problem smooth moves had the exact same issue so yeah. yeah and i would say the game is by and large forgiving enough that it's not a huge hassle but it's definitely annoying when something just doesn't work out because it feels like the console just couldn't handle it i was surprised by uh there's a pose that basically makes you point the ir camera on one of the joy cons at your hand and then do different you know hand poses to solve a problem it'll have like a math problem and you need to hold up the right number on one hand or you need to win rock paper scissors i was surprised by how well that worked i think there was similar stuff in one two switch maybe but i only played that game like twice yeah it's interesting to see how well that functionality works when you consider the fact that like nothing on the switch used it yeah it's it's very strange nintendo sticks to its guns in some weird ways sometimes and then we'll change other things for no reason, seemingly. <laughs> yeah, it's it's really weird because I think that this this game and Mario RPG are kind of in like the same boat where it's like, this game is good. I enjoyed this game. That being said, I would recommend other similar games over it. <laughs> Although I will say warrior it's not as easy to play some of the older games other than the original is on the switch game boy advance emulator um and there is another game on the switch but i haven't played it because it looked bad <laughs> so whatever the last warrior game was had a very weird uh, get it together get it together yeah it the the whole gimmick on that one just didn't look very fun in my opinion and the reviews were pretty middling so i just completely skipped it so, um, that being said, I've liked every WarioWare otherwise. As soon as I saw that Get It Together's, like, hook was that you played as a little icon that moved around the screen, I was a lot less interested. I want to play as random guy hitting balloons with a baseball bat, or guy who has to look into the face of another person until they fall in love with him. <laughs> I don't want to play as Wario. <laughs> 
Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I think it's just I, I've never really been into the other WarioWare games. You know, I I mentioned like I really like smooth moves and I really like move it, but I've never really been like super into the normal micro game ones. The only one I've really played though is WarioWare Touched. I think it's Touched. That was the one for the the one for the DS. Yeah, yeah, I played that one and like I liked it, but. I think WarioWare Smooth Moves is one of those games that I've thought about constantly since I played it, of just one of my favorite gaming experiences of all time. And none of the other WarioWare games, I mean, like, I've I've played a little bit of probably all of them, but Touched and Smooth Moves were the only ones before this that I put a lot of time into. Smooth Moves is just up there. I, like, I would probably rank it in my top 10 games of all time, just of how much I love that game and how much fun I had playing it. And no, I'm not going to go back and play it now. Thank you for asking. <laughs> and I really like Move It for all the same reasons that I liked Smooth Moves. I mean, obviously, Move It is not going to be able to stand up to the power of 10 years of nostalgia or <laughs> sure. 15? 15. I don't know. Yeah. But it's still a really fun game. And I like having to move around to play a game. I also, I, I know that you didn't get a chance to play the multiplayer, but I coincidentally, like the day I bought it, went over to a friend's house and we had four people and we played the multiplayer for probably like two hours. And it's, uh, it's a little bit let down by the fact that everyone only has one Joy-Con and then you, you kind of lose a lot of the poses because of that. There's no point to doing, you know, a lot of the two-handed poses or... <laughs> Rather, like, the two-handed poses all needed to be changed up to make it to where they only use the one Joy-Con, so you'd only have one hand. Right. Uh, and I think that a lot of the best micro games in Move It are the ones that require using both of your hands independently. What makes WarioWare Move It's multiplayer so much fun is just, like, the joy of seeing your friends in such stupid poses. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Making absolute fools of yourselves. And then it has, like, a few different game modes that I think are kind of cool. There's like a normal game mode where it's just competing to see who gets the most points in a certain number of micro games or rather like who runs out of lives faster. Everyone has four lives. And then there's like a board game where the winner of some micro game, like if you win a group micro game, then you get to go next for your turn. So if you're losing all the micro games, you might not be able to go at all during the whole game. I thought that that was really fun too. It kind of... Uh, it was a little too simple. I think it would have been better if it had multiple boards. I Like, it was really fun to play through once or twice, but I would probably not want to play through that game mode anymore. There's a pretty cool red light, green light game mode, though. This was my favorite multiplayer game mode, where there was, uh, like, a giant monster, like a Medusa kind of thing, and if you moved at all when she was looking at you, you would either... I think you had one life, and or you had two lives. You could, like... Get frozen once by moving, and then you'd use a potion to free yourself. And then if you got caught again, you just lost. And that one had like an endpoint where you wanted to run to get to the end of the level as fast as possible. But the big hook in that one is that the, uh, you know, like red light could happen at any time, including during a mini game. So oh, interesting. Yeah, there was, I, I think it's important to kind of explain a little bit more. There's, um, there's a part where you're running at the beginning and you just need to like swing your arms to run. And if you get seen during that, then, you know, you lose the life and all that. And then uh, occasionally while you're running, you'll run into a snake. And when you run into a snake, then you need to defeat the snake by beating a micro game. Different people will be, you know, at different parts of the map. It's not like everybody runs, everybody runs into a snake at the same time. And if you lose the micro game, then 
one, you're frozen for a little bit because you get dazed by the snake. But if you move during a micro game, it's the same as moving during during the normal gameplay. So you have to pay close attention to make sure that you don't get turned to stone at any point because, you know, that's the end of the game for you. It's one of those things, I guess at the, the end of the day, it's it's really simple in concept, but just the fact that the red light, green light aspect never stops, even during the micro games, just kind of, it, it's this level of challenge that you would never think about unless you're playing that game mode. <laughs> uh, and then there's another one where it's a bunch of like competitive micro games. So you'll go head to head with another player. Oh, wait, on second thought, my favorite mini game, or yeah, my, my favorite game mode for the multiplayer is actually the last one. You break into teams of two. I think you I think you can only play with four players, now that I think about it. You break into teams of two, and the whole idea of it is uh, only one of you on your team is actually playing the micro game. And the other person needs to mimic the person that's actually playing the game. Mm. And then at the end of a set of micro games, the other team has to guess who was actually playing it and then you trade off that's cool that's a really weird concept but i like it it's uh it's kind of like a mind game and just having like your friends staring you down while you're doing all these stupid mini games (laughs) and just on the one hand you need to like pay attention to the person you're playing the game with but you also need to win the micro games otherwise if you lose a micro game then that uh gives them more time to figure out who's actually playing so you just keep going until you win. I think it's just three micro games. You know, you, you need to mimic your partner as closely as possible, but you also need to know what's happening on screen just in case, you know, so you can figure out what's going to come up next. <laughs> and the whole time you just have two people staring you down, like <laughs> trying to find any imperfection between what's happening on the screen and what you're doing. <laughs> that is it's wild. I'm going to have to try that out. The next time that uh, we're all in the same place, I'm making jackson and abby get involved so i can try all this stuff so jason what are your final thoughts on WarioWare? move it you know i i think i always get into my final thoughts early but like i said WarioWare smooth moves is one of my favorite gaming experiences of all time <laughs> and WarioWare move it does a lot of interesting stuff to kind of mimic it and build upon it and I think it's a really fun game, especially when you're playing it with friends, which I never got a chance to play smooth moves with friends. I don't even know if it had multiplayer. I had a lot of fun with it. I thought the poses were fun. I'd recommend it to just about anybody, especially if you like motion controlled games. This is just one of those games that I think fills me with joy. There's not a lot of games like WarioWare that just give me this pure sense of joy when I'm playing it or when I'm thinking about it. That's the kind of thing that I just want to share with as many people as possible. And that's that's why I recommend WarioWare Move It. I, I think this game is a lot of fun, and I think it makes really good use of what the Switch kind of is and can be. I do think that the hardware kind of lets the game down a little bit sometimes, but the game does a pretty good job of making it to where even when you mess up because of the Switch's downsides, that it's not super punishing and that it's easy just to get back in the swing of it right afterwards. I would definitely like to play more of the multiplayer before I judge too harshly, but I will say, you know, as someone that really likes the WarioWare series in the past, I I think this is a pretty good continuation of that, and I think that a lot of the micro games are really fun and visually interesting, and I think it has a lot of personality. The the downsides certainly don't weigh it down. Like, we had a lot of negative things to say about the story or lack thereof, but that's never what WarioWare is about. And I think that this game had some of the more inventive mini games to actually like spend your time on. So I, I would say like 
if you like the series, then I think this game is definitely worth giving a shot. Uh, if you're completely unfamiliar, I definitely would recommend trying out the original WarioWare, which, like I said earlier, is on the Game Boy Advance simulator first, just to kind of see how this works. But I mean, I, I think there's a lot to like here regardless. And I'm I'm really excited to try some of the multiplayer here real soon. I mean, like I said, I think it's kind of hard to compare to the other WarioWare games. Like, you'll, you'll get an idea of what the games are about, more or less, but... The extra movement and stuff you need to do for the motion-controlled WarioWare games, I think, really make them stand out, even within the series. Well, it's already a lot of Mario and Wario. <laughs> so I think that means it's time to pull the plug. I'm pulling the plug first this time around. I have been replaying Paper Mario between this game or between Mario RPG really getting me in the mood for this kind of game and knowing that Mario a thousand or super ah, geez Paper Mario the thousand year door is right around the corner I, I've been you know really really excited to dig into that one but I thought this would be a really good uh, way to keep myself entertained in the meantime uh, narratively there is no tie between Paper Mario and Paper Mario the thousand year door but you know <laughs> um this game is really interesting because I feel like every time I come back to it, I learn that it's just a little, it's a little bit more complex than I thought. One thing I really like about this game is you can just muscle your way through it. Like you can just upgrade your health enough where you can tank a lot of enemies and you can just use your regular attacks to, to power through a lot of stuff. But the game can definitely become something else if you invest more of your upgrades into like your your fp which is like your mp equivalent and your badge points which lets you equip more equipment you can do a lot of things to make yourself powerful in really interesting ways and you can completely mitigate some of the danger of certain enemies if you equip the right stuff for the right settings and that stuff that like as a kid i didn't mess with but like i said you can just muscle your way through like, the first time I played this game, I was probably leveling up health three times as much as the other two. Um, whereas now, I am leveling up my FP and BP more than my health. <laughs> and, like, it's a completely different game because of it. And also, like, just I have learned you can become a lot stronger by investing in the right equipment than you can by just making yourself stronger in the traditional pace. Um but yeah, I mean, the game looks so good, even as a Nintendo 64 game that hasn't been up updated at all. Like, it still just looks so good. That's such a unique story that takes you to so many unique places. And I love all the characters and all the partner abilities. Like, the fact that Nintendo hasn't just made an honest-to-God sequel to The Thousand Year Door in all this time is insane to me. Because the formula is so good. It's so much fun. It's so rewarding. The game looks and feels great. I'm not saying it would be easy to make a sequel because I recognize that it takes a lot of big swings narratively and stylistically for this kind of game to work. But what they've done with these first two games is just extraordinary. And the fact that they keep switching it up every entry instead of just making an honest to God sequel feels very strange. Like I'm all for series trying to branch out and experiment with new things. But the only only Paper Mario that's really worked at all since Thousand Year Door was Super Paper Mario. And everything since has been okay at best. Why haven't they just gone back? 
I just want regular turn-based combat where I can hit people with hammers and jump on things and I have companions that can do their own things and I don't want to have to worry about cards or paint or weird movement based mini games like i just i want to just do the dang thing <laughs> mm-hmm. and paper mario has not really let anyone do that since thousand year door it is very funny to me that thousand year door is getting a remake before the original <laughs> game is but i mean it just goes to show how much people love thousand year door yeah. like i i think everything about it's just perfect the combat's so good the the world and the setting is so fun and unique and interesting and it simultaneously like takes mario out of the familiar but it still has like a lot of the the mario charm and the familiar faces and the places and i just i really love everything about paper mario and thousand year door and it's just it's so much fun if you have not played this game you absolutely should do it more than anything else on the nintendo 64 emulator this is like the one game that i think everyone should play and i think is held up super well i think it's interesting that mario rpg was developed by square we've talked about three games so far today two of them are rpgs starring mario and two of them were developed by intelligent systems but it's not the two you think. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I really love intelligent systems. And that's something I didn't really piece together until like long after. Because, you know, the 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 Paper Mario games are, are really great. And then like I have really come around on Fire Emblem in a big way recently. I don't I don't know that there's many developers that have done like such different things that I have liked as much as those two. I mean yeah. like I mean, the fact that this one series has Fire Emblem, Paper Mario, and WarioWare under their belt is absolutely insane. Good developer, a lot of good games, but specifically Paper Mario, it is on the Switch Nintendo 64 emulator. You should go check it out. It's a lot of fun, good game, a lot to offer. It's also a pretty long game. Like, it's one you can really sink a lot of time into, which I really appreciate. Jason, what have you been into? Well, I finally remembered something I could talk about, and that (laughs) is Quantum Break. Over the past, you know, several episodes, I've been talking about the different games that I've played kind of in the lead up to our episode on Alan Wake 2. And I I believe I said explicitly last episode that I was not going to play Quantum Break because we didn't have enough time. But then we decided to move some episodes around. And what do you know? I had enough time to talk about Quantum Break. And I got to say, it's a game that I think starts really strongly and kind of falls off a little bit earlier than any of the other ones. Hmm. Um, Like I kind of thought control was, it's definitely heavily weighted at both ends where like control, not quantum break. Like it starts really strong with the mystery. And then I think in the middle, it kind of gets a little boring and predictable, which is kind of crazy with just the concept of what's going on in the oldest house and all that. But then at the end of the game, it gets really interesting again. And with the DLC, which I think both DLCs are better story-wise than what's going on in the main plot. Quantum Break, one, it doesn't have any DLC. It's the first game that I've played for this that didn't have a DLC. Uh, But two, it has the really cool hook of there are essentially 20-minute TV episodes that follow up every chapter. There are five chapters, four TV episodes... But those TV episodes can be slightly different based on the decisions that you make throughout the game and if you find collectibles and stuff like that. So you essentially end up with a split of, (coughs) for every 
hour and a half of gameplay, you get a 20 to 30 minute episode of TV. And I think that that's pretty cool and it works, except for the times when it doesn't work. (laughs) Because Quantum Break, I think, has some really good live action performances, but then it's kind of held back by some weaker live action performances. It kind of feels like uh, the TV episodes can be a letdown after the gameplay. You would expect that a lot of the story stuff would be delivered to you through the uh, the TV episodes, but generally all the important stuff is just in the main gameplay of the game. It'll be you know people talking to your main character who barely even appears in the live action stuff, or it'll be stuff that you find hidden around the maps and whatnot. But then the TV episodes, I think, are more about giving some extra context for people that are closer with the evil company called Monarch. I don't necessarily think that any of that stuff is super interesting. Like anytime Lance Reddick is on screen, he is, uh, I don't know if electric's the right word. He makes everyone around him look terrible (laughs) because like Lance Reddick is acting the pants off of just about everyone else in this show. He's so honestly frightening that you kind of forget he's acting. And I think everyone else in the show, the live action, uh, you know, performances, a lot of them have a tendency to just feel like they're acting. Mm. Part of that I think is just the stuff that you can get away with when you're writing a video game and the stuff you can get away with when you're writing a TV show are a little bit different. I think you can get a lot more ridiculous in a video game, but then the TV portions need to, hold themselves back because when you hear someone talking about when you hear someone in the live action portions talking about stuff that you just played through in the video game portion, they sound insane (laughs) and not like in a good way where it's their characters going insane. It's like they'll be talking about just absolutely insane stuff the same way that they talk to each other about, you know, like what they had for lunch (laughs) And it seems so like weird and unnatural where there's like this disconnection between what they're talking about and the way that they're acting that just throws you out of just about every scene where they're talking about the main plot. Mm. And then, of course, just the fact that the main character isn't in the live action segments kind of makes it makes it boring because I spent a lot of time with this main character. I want to know what he's doing, but he'll just be doing stuff in the background every once in a while. (laughs) Right. Like he only gets two, I think, two scenes in the entirety of the uh, the show. The story focuses on time travel, and I think it does it a lot better than most other games, where it's it's just fully accepted from the very beginning that time travel doesn't really matter. Uh, essentially, at the beginning of the story, it's kind of alluded to and then made more clear as you get further into the game that all the time travel that is going to happen in the story already happened and a lot of the plot is about the main character realizing that he no matter what he does going back in time or going forward in time like he can't change what's already happened because he's already experienced it like it's just fixed when he goes back in time the only thing he can do is slightly change those events but not in ways that anyone would notice essentially hmm I guess it's kind of strange because you can change the future with time travel, but not the past. I guess it, it, I guess it all comes together in just the fact that ultimately nothing you do with time travel matters because you already have or will have done it. Right. 
it's always a weird way to handle time travel in general. It's like, I don't know, it kind of makes you wonder like why they even went the route they did. <laughs> I think it makes for an interesting story, but uh, I don't know. I thought that I have a lot of thoughts about it that I, I just can't seem to put into words. Mm. <laughs> and, and I feel like I've really been struggling to try to put them into words. And it's just just like the time travel that's pre- presented in the story. Like everything in my mind is going to different places at different times, trying to piece everything together. <laughs> and you just yeah. end up with a mess for the most part. <laughs> well, I think that just about does it for another episode of the Totally Biased Media Podcast. If you would like to reach out to us, there are a handful of ways you can do that. First, on Twitter slash X, it's at TBMcast. Second, on Instagram, it's at Totally Biased Media. And third, you can find us on Twitch at twitch.tv slash Totally Biased Media. Um, we try to stream at least once every other week. We've fallen out of it a bit, but we're going to get back on eventually. <laughs> we only have one more episode of the year. Uh, we're going to be talking about Alan Wake in a couple of weeks. So if you have any strong feelings about the game... Uh, you can send it to any of our socials um, or an email, uh, totallybiasedmedia at gmail.com. Um, if you send it there, we would love to read your review on the episode. So please send it if you have any strong feelings. Um, but yeah, that that just about does it. So for the Totally Biased Media Podcast, I'm Jordan Walkup. And I'm Jason Simmons. And you just felt the bias. Thank you, everyone. Goodbye. Goodbye.